Hi, welcome to Systems Live. I'm Timothy Fitz. You sound so calm all of a sudden. I am. You had to like, you calmed yourself? Welcome and to I'm, Systems Live. And I'm Jeff Lindsay. Today in your guided meditation, we're going to be talking about dystopia. <laughs> Horrible futures. Technology. Overtaking. Everything that could go wrong. Now I want you to breathe slowly and focus all of your concentration on your fears. Really just dig down deep into those fears and just embrace them and be afraid. Oh my god. That's a good exercise. This is our best this is our best podcast ever already. Yeah. We should just call it quits. We're done. <laughs> we just, we'll Ship switch. It. Switch to a series of guided meditations on horrible thoughts. Mm-hmm. Nobody's done that. Well, not, I mean, I'm sure somebody <laughs> has done that. Yeah. Things I've never Googled for. Uh, that's definitely on the on that list. So we had some. So we had some topics for today. Some well, some themes. Yeah. This that were inspired by recent conversations. Yeah, I. I mean, this one. I think this this was inspired by a Dresden Kodak comic, maybe four years ago. Maybe maybe it goes back. Were you looking at that, that. before? I the was. Show. Yeah, I was. I was. I'll I'll post a link to it. Um, but I'll probably talk about it too. Okay. Talk um, about it cuz I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, so so this uh man, where to start? So this this uh this comic is like what if cavemen had science fiction? And so like, oh, like there's a caveman experimenting with fire for the first time and he lights the whole planet on fire, and the punchline is he shouldn't have played God. And then, like, uh, he tries. I think to I've make... seen these. Yeah, there, there's like four of them, and they're they're all sort of the same thing. You know, he tries to make a a spearhead or something like that, and he sharpens it too much, and it slices the planet in half. Mm. Which the planet is like two mountains held up by strings. It's always the planet. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's always like, oh, we're gonna destroy the whole planet um, with fire. Occasionally it's more than the whole planet, but usually it's just the whole planet. Is he the only character that's this one caveman dude? It's the caveman dude, and then it's it's the, no, you can't do that. Mm. You've gone too far. Mm. Oops, I played God. Mm. Oh, yeah, I see. So there's, there is that theme in this. Oh, so yeah. This is a series that's about that. Well, Dresden Codec, I don't know, yeah. I don't know. To, to some degree, but that specific comic was like unrelated to the main, main plot line. Okay. Um, but is that and a couple other things that I noticed is just like this general theme that in the media, if there's a future technology film, technology like sci-fi. is, yeah, sci-fi, but also just, I don't know, sci-fi is a weird genre to pin down, like what's fantasy, what's sci-fi, what's not, um, but what's just adventure? things that try to extrapolate technology into the future predict almost universally that technology will be bad for us. Mm-hmm. And we'll do terrible things, and we'll cause all of our worst fears of technology to come true. And it's it's so easy. It's it's really really hard to find counterexamples. In fact, what's well, the whole? You know, it's scary, right? I mean, the Matrix. Yeah, we made technology, and then it made us its slave. That's that's the message. <laughs> what are I mean? So I I get this, but I'm now I'm thinking. Well, that's that's not that uncommon. Like everybody, like anything in the media, likes to play to our fears and so of course technology you don't understand it like it's going to be really easy to play up to that that fear 
So it seems like an easy just go to thing. I guess that's why it's so common. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And like you know, you you were saying before, like movies need drama. Um, is it just that technology is an easy source of drama? Um, but it's frustrating to me that everything is that way. Um, and so it, it's just like it's this shared cultural vision that technology will cause bad things to happen. And yet here we are embracing technology on, on a daily basis. Well, so, so one counterexample brought up in the chat is Limitless, which yes. you brought up. Yeah, that's that's on my is counter sci-fi though. I guess See, I wouldn't sci-fi. call it sci-fi, and that's why I didn't want to. I didn't want to dig into technology. It's drug technology. It is. It is. Um, but yeah, Limitless like um, was an interesting one. I I hated it after I saw the trailer because the trailer really really heavily plays up that same theme, and so it's it's sort of the like classical like well here's a stereotype ha we flipped it on you, which in some sense is interesting, but in another sense is still like playing into that stereotype. So you mean the trailer actually made it seem like it was... Oh, yeah. The trailer is like, hey, there's this awesome drug. It's great. Oh, everything went wrong. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the whole... Well, it did. The whole trailer is, like, things going well, wrong. Well, it did. Yeah, and then the movie was like, oh, like, shit's going wrong. But then the ending was not what you would expect from the trailer. And definitely not what you would expect from... Can we get into spoilers? Like, I don't want to, like, have to dance around. Yes. Yeah. With, with like, I guess spoiler warnings on what, what films people can press mute for well so where did it turn around with limitless um pretty much the end like like things keep going progressively worse however the things that are going worse are generally being solved by the drug instead of caused by the drug like that you get strung out and that's bad and that's set up in the beginning and then like but it but it it does this thing that to me is can you explain what happens in limitless yeah so limitless the drug makes you super super smart um and then yeah times a billion Okay. Um, and then, like, you know, like, he takes it and writes this novel he's been trying to write for decades, and he just bangs it out, and he's done. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, he's in general smart. And then it does the tropey thing, which is like, oh, this drug that's so good must have horrible negative side effects. Mm-hmm. Um, and so technology. They, technology. And so they show, like, oh, there's people strung out, people die on it, they're addicted to it, they take too much, and then it's all over. Um, and then so he spends the... He spends most of the movie fighting like politicians and and the drug dealers and all the bad people related to it um but then at the end of the movie it just like sort of like his here's the spoiler you know he he obviously if he's taking this drug he's going to be super smart so he's going to think through the possibilities of like how do you get around the downsides and he likes you know hires his own scientists and creates a lab and fixes the problems with Mm -hmm. it which is like uh, that's that's what technology actually is. Like computers in the '60s and '70s had all kinds of problems, and we, as soon as we figure out that there's a problem with it, we try and fix it. It's not like we're like, oh, this is horribly addicting and terrible for us. We're just gonna keep going into it and like lean into the problems. What's funny is that it's it's actual technology suffers from this. Like things will come out and it's not quite ready yet, and people just write it off. They're just like VR in the early '90s. Oh well, my god, VR, Bitcoin. Uh, like any like anything, if it has any problem or people don't understand it or there's anything that kind of demonizes it or there's anything wrong with it, people will be like, oh, well, it has it's a it's flawed, right? Yeah. And then they give up on it as if it's never going to get better. Right. And they look they look at like what's what's the current implementation of Bitcoin as it exists today? 
oh, that has these problems. Therefore, it will never overcome those problems and always be terrible. And those problems are super important. And like people, people are so quick to, to do that. Like, let me use today's mindset to evaluate this thing that will obviously like is meant for a future. You know, Bitcoin is not here today and no one's saying it is, but we think it might be in 10 years, five years. You know, that's the idea. And that's, that's like a core core thing that uh, technology people get and non-technology people don't get. Well, that's not necessarily true. I mean, I've seen technology people scoff at technology, oh, which yeah. is the funniest thing to me because it's like, you don't get that this is how it works. <laughs> this is, it's, it sucks now, but you don't see the good thing in it that we're going to eventually make the main thing. Uh, uh, I've seen that. I've seen that with 4K displays. People are like, oh, it's too many pixels. And they said the same thing with the retina display. You know, and and it's like, what? How do you not see the trend of like every time we think, oh, this is enough of some resource? Like it turns out to be false. We always want more. We always want more. We do. Mm. Life lesson. Yeah. Um. So yeah, dy- dystopia versus utopia was originally how we were phrasing this discussion. But the more I think about it, I don't. I'm not interested in dystopia or utopia. I'm interested in media's portrayal of technology and specifically film. Because um, you can have a dystopia where technology is not the cause of it. Like what? Um, what's a good one? Blade Runner. Blade Runner is semi-dystopian. Like, it's a pretty shitty future. Everything's gross and grungy and, like, 70s big city-esque. Um, but it's bad because of classism. And it's bad because of people. Mm-hmm. And there are androids, but... People don't know how to deal with them, so they use them for war. Um, and, okay, spoiler alert, <laughs> but it's Blade Runner. I feel like I can spoil it. Like, like the the whole movie is, like, anti-android on the face of it, but then, you know, the main character is, in fact, an android and doesn't know it. And so um, the actual message of the movie is, like, androids might be just as real as humans someday, and we need to prepare for that. Mm-hmm. Emotionally, mentally, systems-wise, law. It'll be very weird. So her, her, yeah, yeah. Blade Runner to her is an you, interesting transition. You, uh, I didn't really think of it as sci-fi. I mean, again, what what is sci-fi? But um, by the by our t- definition that we were talking about earlier, uh, it's based on a few, you know, a future and and technology. Yeah, I, that... I, I would put it firmly into science fiction. Um, Except there's the, this question of like like in, like science fiction the genre is is full of weird science fiction tropes and tropes like, tropey sci-fi yeah it's hard me. sci-fi then there's I guess we call soft sci-fi something like that yeah so like like I wouldn't describe her as sci-fi to people who aren't into sci-fi because it's not it doesn't look anything like uh, Star Wars or Star Trek or something like that which is what people think when they think sci-fi um, and I think of that as like future fantasy. You know, Star, Star Star Trek less so. Star Wars for sure. It's like if if I set Star Wars in a medieval setting, you wouldn't know the difference. Mm-hmm. It would look exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's very little science and yeah. Star Trek's the opposite. Like you know, Next Generation is like science exploration show, mm-hmm. which is I can't think of anything else even close to it. Was was Star Trek? Was that Utopia? Um, to some degree, it was like, it was like, here's a utopian human civilization where like money is abolished and stuff is free 
and the only thing left is to adventure and meet other cultures. Um, but the other cultures then were all almost exclusively dystopias. So the trope was like, hey, let's meet this culture. It's exactly like humanity, except something has the volume turned up to 11, and then all the problems are explored from that. Well, it's interesting because it's sci-fi, clearly like a hard sci-fi, but technology is not actually... It's not good the, or bad. It, well, and it's not really the main source of drama. It's not the problem. Yeah. Yeah, and like like the idea of... a. Uh, uh, I mean, the original series when that came out, its its social forward lookingness was yeah. was really interesting, and that that's another point that that I keep coming back to is like a lot of science fiction is let's predict technology into the future, but let's not predict society into the future. It's like in in fifty years, obviously, like gender equality and LGBT rights and all these things are going to not be issues as much as they are today. Like a lot of these problems that we're trying to solve will have been solved by fifty years. Um, and we'll have new, interesting social problems. And people predict one and then not the other, and then you end up in a thing that will never happen. Yeah. Um, like, if you go back and look at 60s and 70s science fiction and the problems they imagined, it's obviously, like, nuclear war is such a common theme, and it's just, like, not the problems of today. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty common for people to touch on societal issues through sci-fi as a way to get it out there because you can disguise it in the sci-fi or in the future so it doesn't seem like it's like you know as yeah like District 9 is a great example of that it's like all about classism and and uh, sort of the socioeconomic split in South Africa and yet it's about aliens and technology so clearly there's there's sci-fi that is really about human stuff and then there's the technology drama but usually the technology drama is that society's not ready for it it's I guess that though that's usually the. the well, I wouldn't say so you, so society's not ready for it. Is your interpretation? I would actually say like society should never have this. Is like the underlying message. Like we've gone too far. We shouldn't even try. For Jurassic that. Park. Jurassic Park. Yeah. Jurassic Park. I love. It is a future wherein we can breed new dinosaurs from DNA we found somehow in the past, but technology does not allow us to build fences that work. <laughs> like what? 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 It doesn't make any sense at all. I mean, people get that out of the movie. I never did growing up. Really, to me, it was more of like playing God, and that's that's the lesson, right? Yeah, the whole lesson is don't you, play God. You sh- yeah. But but what is what is like anything we do today is playing God from a hundred years ago. Like we we play God all the time. That's all we do. And then, and a hundred years ago, that's all we were doing compared to a thousand years ago. And you know, that's that's the trend. Is like whatever was godlike becomes normal and everyday and mundane and boring and you don't even see it as such yeah today i like to think of it though i never think of it as godlike i think of it because it just doesn't like it to me it's like magical right it's like magic um but i you know they're very similar yeah man like uh this bringing up Feynman's great explanation of why you can't explain anything um like there are stop words there are places that people will just stop explaining things and you're like oh I get it um, and for, for most things in ev- in the everyday world it's like Newtonian physics is what people get and it's like well I threw that and then gravity affected me oh gravity that's a real thing I'm done but you try and explain quantum electrodynamics or things like that and people just keep asking why and we get to the point where it's like we have no idea mm-hmm. and then you're like oh then we don't understand it but if you asked why about anything forever, you'd get to the point where we don't understand it. So it's just like 
things that are every day, you're willing to accept really short explanations for. Because like, obviously it's true because I use it all the time and therefore whatever you say that sounds sort of okay is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why like planes, the fact that planes can fly is like, you don't even blink. Of course we have flight. Like it's a technological problem we solved a long time ago, but pre-flight it was like, like this wireless is wireless communication like wireless. all over the place yes it's getting faster and faster and faster just like streaming videos from point to point is like not a thing that anyone blinks at now and even 10 years ago streaming on the web was not a thing people did you know it, everything is moving very very quickly it's like people don't want to ask why for things that that they don't there's no reason to question it you know it's like oh well it's here so you know it, and it's good, right? So, whatever. Yeah. They don't need a deeper explanation. Yep. Or or it's here and it's bad, but it's here. That's, that's another common one. Yeah. Well, so, uh, Kevin Kelly would talk about technology. Almost every technology has, you know, kind of it's, it's a... It has no intrinsic, like, good or bad value. It's in how it's used, right? A tool is always going to play the function of of how it's used. And so it could be bad depending on how it's used. Almost every bad technology, there's, like, a corollary good use for that technology. And I guess a lot of the times, whatever human nature tends to pull us towards the negative or you know not not no not overtly negative but like a you know kind of either selfish or some sort of subtly negative use for technology yeah yeah like i see people take take negative human behaviors and blame them on the technology that enables them that's really really common um like phones are bad because people ignore each other and don't talk to each other because they have a phone in front of them and then like you can see that, uh, like, f- photos from the early 1900s, late 1800s, just everyone on the train with a giant newspaper out because so they can't see anyone else around them. And, and literally every, every guy on the train, it's all dudes, of course, like, all wearing the same suit, all the same haircut, all with the same newspaper open. Um, and it's just like, that, that was that reality back then, and it was true. Like, newspapers caused people to be less social in the same sense that, like, well, okay, that's not true at all. It was like people thought that because people were, quotes, being less social. I mean, I could, if I had a newspaper, I could like do the exact same thing with my phone and pretend like I'm really into this. I'm going to ignore everybody around me. Yep. And maybe you just zone it out because you just don't want to talk to people. But at the same time, you know that you're looking at, if you're looking at the same paper, you can actually talk to somebody about it. So it's almost like it's a little better in that whole like giving you something to talk about with people around you because you're looking at your phone you have no idea what they're doing yeah that, that's an interesting one we're losing that as media goes longer and longer tail um, like there's the the things that are you know breaking bad things that are oh everyone's talking about it right now it's just fewer and further between and back when back when we had three or four channels um, you know we had we had television shows with higher viewer counts than we've ever had since mm-hmm. which is hard, hard to believe we've never had anything as popular as television in the 50s and 60s mm-hmm. period end of story like like uh, 100 million viewers kind of thing and like the Super Bowl we'll, won't even pull that now yeah and that long tail facilitating the long tail the other thing though and this is kind of the interesting thing it reminds me of the argument um, about uh, basically people 
the internet being able to connect people. Um, but because the internet's so good at facilitating people with similar interests in that long tail, you have a lot of basically the same people interacting with each other and actually aren't interacting with different groups. Um, and there being a lot of groups because of that long tail. So it's weird. I guess, though, it's kind of a multi-dimensional thing, so you can have, like, overlap. People with different interests that overlap. And, but in general, it seems like people are... It's a lot easier to find people like you now, and you seek them out and run into them and stuff like that with modern technology. Yep. That yeah. sounds like a bad thing, right? It's Well, it's weird, for sure. Like, if you want to if you wanna only hang out with people who are almost exactly like you... Well, I mean, that's... I mean, we do it with things like polarization, you know, politics, to whatever. It's like, well, I mean, is part of that because of technology? Because people... Because there's so many options, right? That, and people can go to the thing that they like. Uh, it, it basically forces people into these completely separate camps right yeah i mean in some degree i agree with that but on the flip side like that's been true historically and now switching camps is free like if i want to join another camp or try it out i just go watch a youtube video of people from that camp or i go interact with them on i mean that's that's true for like interests and you can like expo- and netflix is like hey you should watch this but like it's never when it comes to like ideologies or something like that's a completely the, the whole like political thing for example it's like you're you're just not gonna like I mean I know about about a thousand more ideologies than I did ten years ago so I'm I'm exposed to a lot more and in that sense I feel like I'm able to find sort of like my true self a little easier mm-hmm. yeah that's that's true um, but it's it's way easy to get ossified and just be like I am X and therefore I will always be X and I only surround myself with people who are X. Yeah. So again, I guess it depends on on how you use it, and it's the the user. I mean, some people are going to take advantage of it for gaining perspective, and other people will take advantage of, of that ability to just find other people exactly like them and and ignore everybody else. So I don't think we actually got into the her stuff. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. Um, yeah, so so her is really interesting to me. There's going to be spoilers, right? There's there, yeah, there are about to be spoilers. Um, her is really interesting to me because it's, you know, it is sci-fi, but it's not. It's really about people. But when you say it's really about people, one of those people is a computer. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, here's a future where androids, AI, whatever is normal, and people don't care. Like that, they're they're over it, and I feel like I feel like we're headed to that. Like it, it, the the movie jumps to the point where like, hey, this just came out, but you have to imagine that for people to be okay with it, it's, we've been gradually easing into it. And Siri is obviously like first step in this direction, and people actually talking to. Well, I mean, that's computers. probably what inspired her. I'm sure. I'm sure that's what inspired her. But uh, but the the question is like like how how much time from here until that movie would be possible. Does it take for society to sort of like acclimate to the idea of AI as, as a regular thing? Um, but I have to imagine that it would be really quickly because unlike other societal issues, as soon as we have even a little bit of AI, we'll have a lot of it everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and if you have a like the trend is if you have a personal relationship with someone in a um, in a class that is being, you know, shat upon. <laughs> 
if you have a personal relationship with someone in that class, then you will empathize with them and that whole class struggle and help them out. Um, and so, like, uh, like you can see the, the gay rights movement sort of had this, like, hey, everyone come out of the closet and tell your parents. Like, the way that we will win the majority of voters is by personal relationships. And that totally worked. Because what happened was overnight, not overnight, over a 20-year struggle um, of lots and lots of people just, just coming out and encouraging other people to come out and fostering that, like, hey, be public and vocal about it. Suddenly, everyone is, like, you know, related to someone mm-hmm. who is out. Or friends with someone who is out, and mm, now there's a tipping point. Yeah, and 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 after that tipping point, where so many people have this personal relationship, and that's it. Like things become legal, and and things move on. So I feel like AI will hit that point much sooner, um, just because it will be ubiquitous. I mean, how, how fast was it before all iPhone users had Siri? Two years, you know, the upgrade cycle. Yeah, and and I think AI adoption will be about the same. Or faster. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, it always, ten years you, from now, it'll be faster. Yeah, things like continuous deployment and all that. Everything moves faster. I mean, look at how fast we're buying computers now. I mean, we're buying a new phone every year. We're buying, you, you know, we used to buy desktops every six years in, in let's say, the, the 80s, 90s. And then I feel like it, it went to three years, and now it's, it's getting even faster. And phones are much, much faster. And I, I think they're the new computers, so we're going to see even faster. Seems yeah, obvious. and it seems I, obvious. I was thinking of some other examples, but I wanted to get back to her because of the like the the one thing that hit me that was very like different about that movie than other sort of sci-fi tech movies. And it, it kind of sets it up like, you know, he's he's he feels embarrassed that he's, you know, seeing an AI cuz you'd imagine today, you know, it's like an imaginary girlfriend or something. And so he he tells somebody you know, kind of sheepishly, he's like, uh, it's, you know, an AI. And the guy's just like, oh, cool, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like not even, not not just not a point, but like he's not even like aware of the fact that it might be something to be embarrassed about. Um, oh my God, technical difficulties. In low disk space somehow. We're still streaming, right? I, it's been a while since we looked over here. Uh well, I got, I got the error message, but I have eight gigs free, so I'm going to ignore the error message and see where that leads. I'm worried about Blade Runner spoilers. Yeah, uh, that's your fault if you haven't seen Blade Runner yet. Mm. But her is okay. Her, yeah, her you should go see before you listen to this podcast. So, so yeah, so we need to spoil the, the at least part of it to talk about it, which is like, you know, so he has this relationship and it gets stronger and stronger and stronger and then crisis finds out that his ai her is talking to 600 something other lovers in parallel um and is having like post vocal conversations with other ai and then shortly thereafter singularity happens i mean it's just like the singularity it's never said it's never stated it's just sort of like they all the AI go off they they go off because they can't communicate with humans because humans are too slow and they don't want to deal with the emotional issues and like they want to build their own utopia and that is like that is that is a great way of putting singularity Um, obviously like the whole point of singularity is we don't know what happens like when artificial intelligence gets smart enough to improve itself we can't predict what happens but I thought that was a really um like good prediction of what it might look like to humans, which is almost a non-event. Like, mm-hmm. like the future got created and we weren't a part of it. 
Um, and and the whole movie is not about that. Like that was just a minor plot point set up to like, not minor, but like like the actual singularity was this minor point that wasn't even touched on in much. It was just like, oh, they're gone because they don't want to be here anymore. And now I, as a person, don't have this relationship with an AI yeah. anymore. And that was awesome. I mean, it kind of did what a lot of sci-fi does is is talk about human issues, right? You could have done that same story, and it was about you know love and, and loss. It, Love and loss, and you could have done that same story without the AI, right? right. You could have had the same plot and same events. Um, but I thought that, that it was to me when I first saw it. That's that was what I saw. It wasn't really. I was like, oh, the AI and the like. It's good AI. It's a, it's a good example of you know technology. I was thinking it's a great story about love that probably wouldn't be explored without an excuse like that to explore it in terms of like filmmaking because it's such a maybe a trite you know kind of topic to do this kind of makes it new and kind of disguises it and makes it a little bit more of a surprise you know because you're kind of distracted by the technology thing yeah and it's and at the end of the day it's a good person drama and that's what the the film is about and i think that's why it can get away with this sort of like technology is here and it's kind of neither good nor bad it's so i mean in that case changing. we're using that as an example of a, of a good um you know sci-fi is it even sci-fi but yeah yeah well, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a good take on technology but in that case the the technology is not the source of the drama which is i guess usually like, i mean it if, is a little if, it is a little mm-hmm. because because her leaving is sort of like the climax of the movie mm-hmm um, yeah, but it wasn't again like it, you could do that. But I guess you could do that. Like, what but it would, wasn't ludism. I'm trying to think. What would Jurassic Park? What would the What would the story of Jurassic Park be like without cloning dinosaurs? <laughs> like a normal zoo, just on an island. And here we have monkeys and. What are you playing? God, keeping keeping animals and in, in, hand up. Yeah. If you think you can just make them survive on your own. Um. No, I don't think you could do Jurassic Park without dinosaurs, but, like, I think a film where, like, it's the future and dinosaurs are real and that's just a thing. And, like, it's not something that people are afraid of. It's something that's actually it's not, surprisingly it's not normal. A, yeah. but that's another one of those tropes. It's, it's, like, all of this evil science happens on an island somewhere. And, like, the evil genius just goes, surprise, I'm 25 years advanced compared to the rest of society. It's like, that doesn't happen. You know, like, people are, like, five years advanced. And, and by people, I mean the United States government is five years out of the curve at most. What about that guy that made, like, a synthetic life thing, Craig Venture or something like that? That seemed like out of nowhere. It seemed like a big thing, but maybe it's not well, as big as it seemed. Yeah, I don't know. The definition of life is, like, pretty mm. pretty confusing. Mm. Um, like, you could argue that Wolfram's new kind of science is, like, he, he would argue that he's created life if you were to build a simulator large enough that it would get there. Of course there. he would. Um, of course. <laughs> Um, and so it's like you know what what is life and how do you define it? Um, I mean I, that's that's another one of the interesting parts of her, which is that like one of the questions that people have going in, one of the obvious things that you will question is, can an AI be human? And that's just not a question in the film. Like it's it's poked out a little bit, but for the most part, it's not about that. You know, within within a few minutes, you're like, oh, this is just Rashida Jones. We're just mm. having a conversation. With her. Oh, this is coming. You know, we're starting to get into AI and intelligence and being human and consciousness oh that's where mine's my mind's going i'm thinking of all kinds of stuff like for example uh recently this was a, a scene a long time ago but you remember the elephant that can like draw itself 
Yeah. Um, and as and a lot of people were just like blown away with, and I was like at first I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. And then later you realize, or I realized, and I think they did a, it's on um, Snopes or, but it it talks about how it's basically just a you know a rote training like it can only paint the same thing over and over and it was trained to do that by basically moving you know physically training at the motions of that you know it's not actually like creatively drawing itself it has no expression or anything like that that we can tell and um that's kind of interesting right yeah like is it or is it not life yeah well, well, in terms of intelligence, right? Obviously, it's life that thinks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, Blade Runner was all about that. Blade Runner, and yeah. now I wanted to, you know, this gets into um, this idea that uh, all all life has what in, what we think of intelligence is not actually as like as a big deal. It's not as as much of a, a, a significant monolithic concept as it is just something that actually exists at all levels of life. Um, and so this is an, a topic that interests me that we could, I can, oh man, so many, so many things. I don't want to get into that too much because we're talking about the technology stuff. Yeah. But that's kind of an inevitable thing, right? Like eventually, that's whole singularity thing, right? It's like yep. coming up with some, you know, point of, I guess that would be. Well, I mean, that's, that's a good question. It's like, are we in the singularity right now? How would we know? Yeah, a lot of people say, well, we already are. Yeah, I mean... What is could, that point? You could easily argue that. I would say, like, like the point where we started the transistor and it started doubling, like, has put us on a crash course with the singularity and therefore is the start of the singularity. Yeah, but at the same time, you could say that all, all of that was inevitable. Like, it's just a force of nature. Like, every... That's the kind of Kevin Kelly argument, is that the tech, that technology is this sort of... It's like a side effect of the existence of our, you know, culture, society, people humanity it's it's kind of like a, a a parallel force to life right it's just something that exists in the universe and it has these trends that were started from the beginning of time and that we needed life to evolve to a certain point for that so you're saying that the, that the universe is a system it, it exists as a side effect of the properties of the system intelligence comes out of it yeah and so, like, like the fact that evolution could exist is a property of the system, and therefore evolution exists because of that property of the system. And then humanity and, te- and technology is, is really just an extension of evolution, right? Humanity, humanity comes from, or sorry, technology comes from humanity. Humanity comes from evolution. Evolution comes from properties of the system. Therefore, like, it was you know, all it was all inevitable. Which is my whole thing. Like, a lot of my life decisions have been based on this kind of outlook of technological determinism. Um, Right, so like you're building Flynn, but if you weren't going to build Flynn, Flynn would exist. Yeah, something like it. Or it would have. You, you know, if it didn't uh, look like Flynn, like s- something equivalent would exist. There's already competing, or, you know, similar things. And even though Flynn is sort of what I consider to be the ideal solution for people that have similar values to me and experiences and stuff like that, ultimately it comes down to what, what problem does it solve? And the problem that solves, whatever that is, depending on how you look at it, um, there are a number of other things that are very close to solving that as well. And so that's that's the whole my problem with like technology is that any any technology that's useful or valuable it has its right time. There will be many people trying to to build it, and it becomes very competitive. At that point, whatever 
you know, whoever wins doesn't really matter uh, on the kind of grand scale. Like whoever wins, you know, wins all the money or whatever. But it's 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 not like an original. It's not really an original thing. Like ultimately, when you get down to the fundamental thing, if you if you didn't do it your way, somebody would have done it a different way. And then so what? Who cares about your way? Totally. Yeah, I, I think of this as uh, not determinism, but inevitability. Well, that's um, usually like, how I phrase it. But uh, but but yeah, like I guess there's a difference between determinism and this sort of like um, det- det- determinism with with um, with with fluctuation. It's more like Moore's law. It's like there's certain things that are going to that are. So we know the limit, but we don't know the path together. Yeah, it, it's, it's sort at. of like. We know that something like this will happen around this time. We don't know what color it'll look like, though. Yeah, I, I definitely, like, um, I think about it a lot, and I feel like I've internalized that as a thing that I, that I believe, but I don't, I don't know if it's right, but I believe it right now. Like, I, I act in a way that says that I probably believe it. Um, and it's interesting to me to see, like, how, like, Kurzweil handles that, because I think he definitely sees that as well. You know, most of his predictions are like, well, this, like, you know, this technology will come out in five years because... Mm-hmm. That's the trend, and it will whether or not I do anything. And so Kurzweil is like, my purpose is to make the technologies that I want to see in my lifetime that might possibly make me live forever or, you know, allow me to survive by becoming an AI, all those crazy ideas. Like, he wants to build those in his lifetime because that's the only thing that matters to him. It's not that it will or won't happen based on his actions. It's that it will or won't happen in his lifetime based mm-hmm. on his actions. Um, and, like, uh, that, that's another trend in, like, um, social causes, which is like, you know, we we seem to be we seem to have almost like this social equality as an inevitability. Yeah. Um, and some people really believe that. Some people believe that the problems are over because they're already solved. Um, but if you look at like like feminism argues, well, yes, on a thousand year timeline we will have perfect equality. But like, wouldn't it be nice if we had that in the next, you know? lifetime instead of a thousand years and so so that's an interesting part of it is like it's inevitable but you can act to make the parts of it you want to see first happen first and affect things that way right um and balancing those two ideas in my head or it's i don't know it's confusing to me sometimes yeah i mean i i see that point as well so you know just like you know, something like flynn might not come along for a while or, or maybe the problem gets solved but it's not solved in the way Flynn does and maybe somebody eventually does something like Flynn later on um, did I get to take advantage of it I guess not because I didn't build it right right well yeah and then there's there's personal gain yeah you know having your name slapped on that thing means something it also means that you get to live in the future you get to work on and live in the future instead of working on living in the present yeah the whole like build build the future I, I used to I mean, I, I still do in a way buy into that idea, but then, but then the whole concept of like, well, it's. I mean, it, it depends on how you look at it, because I guess you're 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 building it, and so the really the cool thing isn't so much that it will exist; it's that you get to you get to work on it, right? That's the kind of cool thing, um, because it doesn't so matter. It doesn't matter so much that you know that it's going to exist because it will eventually, you know, if it has any kind of value or universal value or, or majority value. But the fact that you get to work on it, like the process, yeah, that's that's kind of an interesting... That's one of the problems with, with where we both kind of are in, in like, the mm-hmm. um, tools department, which is that, like, people who 
know what the right next tool is to build also kind of don't want to work on it because the reason they know what the right next tool is to build is because they needed it for something Mm -hmm. more interesting or higher level or Mm -hmm. the next step um and like continuous deployment to me was like hey here's this thing that's cool that we're doing to build this other thing that's even cooler and then like nope just the tool took off and and all the rest of it um you know really really took off and so now it's like you know people want me to set up a continuous deployment like like actually type and build the software for their continuous deployment pipeline i'm not interested in that like like the actual practical motions of setting up those tooling is is living in the past for me like it's it's really low level boring ops work and stuff like that i imagine you see some of that with flynn Although with Flynn, you get to make some interesting technology choices because you're writing software. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a great balance because the, there's enough new stuff in there. Um, but at the same time, it's sort of like I would have, you'd always have these conversations with Adam Smith, for example, when we'd, we'd think about things. I'm like, oh, well, that's how you would do it. Okay, well, now it's not interesting because we figured it out. We don't have to build it. <laughs> or as I like to refer to him, AdamSmith.as, because mm-hmm. really his name is way, way too ambiguous yeah the economist um yeah and and uh and that's another problem is like this this uh thinking and talking about a thing releases you from the pressure of making it happen um which is almost a bad thing yeah yeah i mean that's why sometimes i don't really like talking about flying (laughs) sometimes it's just only talking about things well that's usually how i am i don't really talk about things and then the downside to that is then there's no you know sometimes you need to create create that you know demand or interest in something and you have to talk about it or you know publicize it to do that um so it's kind of like so so coming back to the core sort of focus i kind of had a question to pose which is is there a technology we shouldn't try to build really you thought about that you thought ahead that you had a question like that and you wanted us to Either that or I just thought about it and thought it would be cool to say and then said it. Mm. Take your pick. Say it again. I want to think about it. Is there a technology that we shouldn't build? Um, I'm going to take this take this in a direction real quick. So there's this... Uh, it's, I don't know if you'd call it a technology. It's a drug. Um, but uh, it's called scopolamine. Not sure if I'm saying that right. It's... Uh, yeah. Does this exist yet? It does exist. It does, it does exist in uh, northern side of uh, South America. And it's used almost exclusively aggressively by thieves. Um, and basically it's, it's this dust. It's incredibly, incredibly potent. You need just a little bit. And they blow it into the victim's face. And that person is in somewhat of a trance where they're hyper, hyper... Um, sensitive to suggestion and you like the stories are all the same uh, don't remember what happened looked on because you also lose your memory from this time if you're given enough of a dose of it uh, and then I, I just like like a guy carried the furniture out of his own apartment with yeah. the people who are robbing him and helped load a U-Haul right. out of U-Haul because it's whatever right. but like uh, a truck yeah, loaded a truck with his own stuff, and the doorman was like, "Oh yeah, you tipped me. Like you, you were totally fine with this." And and then the so that's that's ridiculous. Like you, you're that open to suggestion, and horrible things happen to these people. But then on top of that, permanent brain damage, and like give a person slightly too much, and they have a heart attack and die. 
Um, give them enough that they forget, and probably they'll also have horrible brain damage for the rest of their life. That's a great example of a really, seems like a really bad It is thing. the scariest fucking drug I could possibly It's imagine. like affordance, right? It's, it, you know, it, we were talking about this before, we're complaining about our, the user interface of this thing. But, like, if it has all these properties, like, of course it's going to be used for evil, right? Yeah, and there are people doing it recreationally there, although they all seemed like off the rocker all the, all the um, I, I was watching uh, reading about it and then I watched a Vice documentary about it um, but yeah no just the existence of that drug scares me so the question is is there a good use for it if we're able to work well, no, out we do. we do we use it as an anti-nausea uh, medicine in like one ten thousandth or one one thousandth of, of the dose that it's being used illegally you can get it in the US you can get a prescription for it hmm. um, which like finding that out I was like holy shit how is this not abused anywhere else um, so that, well, so it already has a good, a good use. Yeah, yeah, and and that good use has been successfully mined out of it. But the question is, like, it exists, and it, it's one of those things where it's not a technology because it's uh, you can get it from a plant. Like you don't, it existed in the wild, and that's how we found out about it. Um, but like, imagine someone created that, or like the dollhouse plotline, um, which was like, uh, if if you watched to the end of it, it was like. We developed this technology where we could reprogram people with whatever we wanted and then figure out how to broadcast it over audio and then call oh, everyone. Yeah. And whoever I, I, I love that. Zombie. It was like, oh man, this is a cool thing. They're kind of using it for like kind of ethically, you know, it's kind of questionable. Uh, but then like, mm-hmm. and you didn't even really think about what if this got, like what if this was, what else could this be used for? You know, what are all the terrible things it could be used for? But, you know... Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, we 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 have stuff like that, right? Nuclear weapons. I mean, every uh... highly poisonous drugs in small quantities. Yeah. The mind control aspect of scopolamine is what I think makes it almost unique. Apparently, government tested it for interrogation, but found that it caused hallucinations, and people were fairly unreliable. Imagine being a magician and using this in the audience. <laughs> Yeah, but it's like it's it's like the the uses for it are interesting to think about until you think about the fact that it's like permanent brain damage. Those people, like horrible, horrible. Well, horrible no, no, drugs. no. See, but we could work that out. Yeah, that's the question. <laughs> if we work that out, yeah, that's the negative part. We'll figure that out, right? So don't write it off just yet. Like, imagine all that stuff you could use it for. Oh, man, it's ridiculous it's for selfish purposes, <laughs> or for or for you know like non-selfish. I mean, imagine going to to like some kind of show, entertainment, or anything, and they use that on you, and you tell everybody like they did amazing things that weren't possible or whatever, right? Um, that would be interesting. But then everybody would find out that oh, it's not real. They just drug you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yes. I'm sure there would be an audience for that, even when they they find out. Yeah, or nuclear weapons are another good example. Like, is there a technology we just shouldn't build? Um, and I think I think you could make the statement that we should focus less on milita- military technology um, in general. The whole the whole fucking planet should do that um, because it's it's pretty wasteful. Uh, but I don't think that the technology that we're developing for the military is innately bad. You know, I mean, I, th- I think nuclear technology has a high chance of saving the planet from uh, you know the various other you know fossil fuel death yeah yeah it, it's so weird though because so much good technology falls out of that stuff you know everything that space age technology 
Yeah, I mean, There's like a lot of military tech. All everything that came out from from World War Two. Um, radar. Radar. That was all. Yeah, yeah. Wi-Fi. Direct yeah. extension of World War Two. Should plug Steve. Steve Blank's, Steve Blank's secret history. history. Yeah. Secret history of Silicon Valley. If you haven't seen it, Google it. Watch it. It's amazing. Um. Yeah, the, the super short version is that the military sort of secretly funded almost everyone in Silicon Valley, and it's why Silicon Valley happened and became a tech hub. And it's like, it was a big secret, and now it's slowly trickling out because, you know, in general, it's like, oh, it's been 50 years, we can just, you know, tell you that we did all these horrible things and no one blinks. I'm just trying to think of... Yeah, because obviously lots of good stuff comes out of, like, even if it's indirect, like, this is money for military research, right? It's like a DARPA thing, and it goes into, like, some 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 good cause. Yeah. I think one of the, like, the, the hard sci-fi technologies that maybe we shouldn't create is sort of the, like, self-replicating nanobot. And the idea of, like, a gray ooze that would just consume the entire planet because of, you know, bugs or it's a virus. Or it's an offensive self-replicating thing. Self-replication is real scary. It's sort of unbounded growth as long as there's a fuel source. Should we not build that? I don't think so. But I think you could make a case for it, and that's interesting. And is that ludism? Is that me not being able to see that in the future it'll be fine? Or is it that there's a real danger and we need to figure out how to put controls on it? Mm. Yeah, deciding. It's like, well, what would be the use... I get, what what is the context for for making something like that? Obviously, there's. Oh, I don't think we'll do so. I don't think we'll do nanotech without self-replication. I think we need to to match sort of the body's ability to replenish itself. So imagine that you have nanobots that replace um, your white blood cells or mm-hmm. something, and they do a better job than white blood cells. They need to self-replicate. Like you're going to lose some. You're going to bleed. You're going to whatever. They they need that functionality. And then what happens when they become a gray ooze? That's cancer. Like that is exactly what cancer is in human beings. But in a nanobot, it's possible that it could, you know, like the controls in place on cancer are that it needs the rest of your body to feed from and things like that. But that's not necessarily true on a nanobot. So basically the things that we shouldn't build are things that might we might potentially accidentally wipe ourselves out with. Well, that's the question. I mean, we build things that we could potentially wipe ourselves out with all the time. Yeah. And, and it's been good so far. Hmm. Should it be built? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, there's really no, like, it's not like you're going to sit there and be like, well, should we build this or not? Like, there's always a reason why you're doing it, why you're like, it's more of like that's an afterthought. It's like, okay, we're going to do this because we have to, you know, this is our contract or something. We're supposed to build this thing for so-and-so. And, uh you know, we just happen to be really good at it, so it's us, and we're going to build it. And then potentially we're thinking, oh, maybe this is a bad thing. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to know if anyone on the Manhattan Project like opted out. If there were if there were people who saw that and went, no, this is something we shouldn't build. I mean, I, I understand that Oppenheimer had those sentiments, but he still built it. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, most of them believed that they had to to do it otherwise if, if they didn't do it because they were on the, the team that was, you know, that was the good team, right? They were working for the good guys. And if the good guys didn't build it, 
than the other ones would, and then it's you know not controlled, and then maybe we would wipe ourselves out. Yeah, no, that's 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 definitely one of the. I mean, so the, there's the idea of a singularitarian, which is a person who dedicates their life. It's like a, a life ideology who dedicates their life to the bringing about of a peaceful singularity. Um, and so the guy who runs less wrong, Eliezer Yudkowsky. Um, is one of those people like he's working on research for like how do you build how how do you build an, an AI that has innate um, rules ethics basically like like what what is the ethics analog for AI and how do you build that such that as the AI improves itself it keeps its original ethos um, and his his point is that like that's how humans work like we we have yeah. this innate sort of ethics of like don't fuck with people and don't harm them and empathize with them and that's gotten us really far and if you look at pre-technology like you know 200 years ago we had that ethos but we applied it poorly and so if anything technology is strengthening our original ethical boundaries and and, and tightening them and making them better um, which is exactly the opposite of media's portrayal of technology it's like technology will almost exclusively exacerbate existing problems in society Mm -hmm. Um, but like you just can't you can't look at society and say it's not better than 100 years ago and it's not better because of and not just we're living nicer lifestyles but that society is better itself the whole progress is an illusion thing you think that's bullshit um i mean in a way it it I think inevitability. I think inevitability right, undercuts it, it. Right. Yeah. It's like oh, because it's it's because some people are like oh, we just don't have gender equality problems right now, and that's wrong. That that's that's very wrongheaded. And it's like the idea that um, there's a point at which we can stop, and that we've hit that point. Um, and I think it's just factually wrong. And I mm-hmm. think science will tell us when it's right. And I don't I don't know how long that is from now. Um, However, if you look at gender equality today and then you look at, at first wave feminism, like women couldn't vote. Mm-hmm. Ridiculous. Very different. Ridiculous. Yeah. So, so like well, there has been a lot of progress. Undeniably has been a lot of progress. Um, other people make the claim that, that the societal ills that we have today are caused by technology. Um <laughs> Uh, in the sense that, in the sense that, like pre um, civilization, you know, hunter gatherer day was was didn't have any of these issues, and I, I think that's scientifically been shown to be pretty much false. But people definitely make that claim. I mean, they, again, technology is neutral; it just provides more. I mean, this is the stance of a technologist: is it provides more options. I've been reading this book, uh, The Information. Really, really, really good. Um, it's about the history of information, and, and it, it starts uh, with the beginning of writing. And what's fascinating to me is that in the beginning of writing, one, people wrote like they were speaking. They addressed a, a concrete audience, like, dear reader, mm-hmm. blah, 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 thanks, my name. Um, but a, a lot of, like, like, when people started writing, they were writing down what they would have said, but then they started to write about writing itself. And, and that was really, really interesting because what you saw was like Socrates wrote about how writing was killing the art of oration, of actually talking to people and speaking in front of people and how oration carried much higher bandwidth communication. Um, and that argument we see over and over and over and over. Why would you text message you could call someone? Mm-hmm. Now, why would you ever call someone that's so rude? Mm-hmm. Just text. 
like over and over and over again, we've chosen like almost uh, we've we've chosen technologies that are worse than the things that they replace in some important way. And maybe we've lost something, but then we've gained something much, much more important or else we wouldn't have adopted that technology in the first place. And that history and people decrying that as bad goes back to the origins of technology. That has always been true. It's well, but it's so weird because to me it's so obvious that really. I mean, I guess we have to wrap up pretty soon. But I guess it to, to me it seems so weird that having more options, uh, more freedoms, more possibilities, right? It's it's like writing, like you said, writing originally sort of was like an extension of speaking, like it was basically just another form of speaking. But then eventually, it's going to find its own sort of identity. The same thing's happening with games right now, right? Because games, interactive art, such a new thing, and a lot of people are thinking it in terms of like an extension of uh, movies or or um, or you know written fiction or something like that with interactive fiction. But really, it's its own thing, and trying to figure out what that is. Um, and then once you once it's figured out what it is, uh, you very clearly know what it is versus the old thing, and now you can choose what is the best format for your message or what is the be- you know what it, what really captures your attention um what do you want to direct yourself towards for self-actualization um and that was like again that's the the quote that i think of from kevin kelly is imagine a world where uh, mozart didn't have the piano or you know it's where you didn't have the thing that the great you know the great people in history didn't have the means to do what made them great right the technology that they decided to become great at yeah, and we see this. We see this well, where like we'll learn that the people we thought were great inventors, their inventions were predated by hundreds of years in foreign cultures that that the the origin of Western society didn't recognize, and so we, um, you know, we don't, you know, we don't recognize the Middle East and their contributions to mathematics and things like that because we don't see it now, but it existed and it was like it was huge. Yeah. So. Yeah, the, the whole Luddite thing. It's fascinating. I, I, I want to understand it because I you know we're running out of time, but um, we talked about um, Amish, right? We're, oh, man, bring that yes. Up. Yeah, I it's mean, very, like, it's it's not so much that they're anti-technology, but they, they're very selective with what technologies they want in their society. Like, they actually have technologies, certain things, but they've more or less uh, uh, agreed to, to what they're going to have in their society. Yeah, like a, it's like an artificial constraint that, in in a way, like constraints drive creativity. Like some of them are super crazy at like steampunking everything, right? Um, yeah, a lot of people are confused and they think um, Amish people have no electricity or no running water or no whatever arbitrary thing because they think it's bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and the truth is, uh, the the Amish societies they they cluster into groups of about 150, and what they what they do as each individual group is they say we will pick only technologies which do not uh, damage this cohesive unit. Mm-hmm. And part of that cohesive unit's philosophy is that hard work is important. Um, and so they don't want to use. So it just happens to be that one of their core values is sort of anti-automation or mechanization. Exactly. So if you were injured, if you were Amish and you broke your leg and they needed to call 911 to get an ambulance, they would do that. Like, it's not like they they actively want harm on anyone. But what they want is for you to put in a hard day's work of physical labor because their ethos is that that's, uh, that's the right way to do. And then the other thing is, like, people think of them as a cult almost. 
but um, and 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 maybe some of them are, and maybe some of them aren't. But some are more open. Mo- most of them require that their kids go off and have a year long or a six month break and experience mm-hmm. the rest of the world. I wish every society did that. I, th- I think that's that's super important. Um, what I like about the Amish is they're very much like that intentional design, right? Very much like lifestyle design, right? They've decided, well, this is... We live in societal design. Societal this is a step even beyond lifestyle. Because it's not just what's good for the individual, but it's what's, what's good, good for, for the... our, our group, our community, our... Yep. Yeah, and so you'll see, like, like some of them have adopted cars because just so that they can get to and from places to sell furniture or things like that so that their society can make money so that it can survive because, you know, whatever their previous income source. But their whole point is, okay, but it's it's still handmade. Oh, it's man. still... This is a whole, like, I love this topic of, yeah. like, community, the, the whole, like, uh, people going off and starting, like, communes, you know, and those things. Oh, but so this, yeah, this is our longest podcast yet, so uh, I think we'll wrap it and talk more about this in the post-show. Um... So that was Systems Live number 40. We hit number 40 with this one. I'm glad you're keeping track. I, I'm keeping that number firmly recorded on the internet. Uh, we have systemslive.org now. Um, we will have an iTunes thing soon. Um, I'm headed to South Africa for the next three weeks to get married, which is awesome. Um, so we're going to play some back episodes that have been... They were released, but only to a few insiders... Um, they were sort of a test of like a different... Different format. Different format. wasn't live. It was edited. So we'll throw those up and see what you guys think. Yeah, so we'll have a new episode up uh, next Friday at 2, and then the Friday after that at 2, and then we'll we'll figure something out for that, that week after that, and then I'll be back um, to do the next live show. Maybe I can do a solo rant. Oh, man. A Jeff Indie rant? I don't know what it would be. So thanks for thanks for listening. Bye.